Think we're going to just let this one go? The president of the United States, our president, Donald J. Trump, illegally surveilled, allegedly, uh, in the White House while he was president. This is according to government prosecutors. No, we're not going to let this one go. All right. Yes, I know Ukraine is a big story. Uh, it looks like perhaps the invasion is not going to happen. I hope so. And the convoy in um, Canada, I love those truckers. But this, this is important. Now, the fake news is pretending it's not important. They're pretending maybe it didn't happen at all, or it's too complicated, or they just don't want to be bothered. Um, it's not too complicated. Picture a rogue IT guy, all right, that your company hires who comes in and wants to destroy you and help your competitor. That's what we're talking about here. In court papers filed by John Durham, because he said, we know that the Mueller investigation at this point was a total joke, all right? Not according to Durham, but according to a lot of people in the know, that's why he was appointed. Tech executive number one and his associates exploited internet traffic at three locations. Trump Tower, all right? Very important. We had some inkling of that already. Number two, uh, the Trump Central Park West apartment building here in Manhattan. Most explosively, most importantly, the executive office of the president of the United States. Again, this is not from some blogger. This is from prosecutors, federal prosecutors for the Department of Justice. Inside that court filing from John Durham, it says as follows, tech executive Number one, exploited his access to non-public internet data in connection with a pending federal government cybersecurity research contract. Contractors. The guy was essentially working there and had access to this stuff. It goes on. Let's see. Tech executive number one's employer had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the executive office of the president, EOP, as part of a sensitive arrangement. We believe that's code for top secret material this guy had access to. It goes on to say as follows. Tech Executive One exploited this arrangement by mining the Executive Office of the President's DNS traffic, internet traffic, and other data. Basically, he was looking for dirt on Trump. And whatever he found, he portrayed it in the most negative light possible. Although, turns out, it wasn't negative. He was saying that this was suspicious activity, and now the government, government prosecutors, know it's not suspicious. Again, not some blogger. Take a look at the indictment and at the filing from late last week. This is the United States of America versus Michael Sussman. I love that. The United States of America versus Michael Sussman. And who is Michael Sussman? He's a Washington, D.C. lawyer who was doing work for the campaign of Hillary Clinton and also for tech executive number one. Something else I love about this story, it's not anonymous prosecutors. Their names are on these filings. This isn't some Mueller-style leak. These are names. You can find out, actually, their email addresses in these court documents. If you want to send them a note, you can. This is very different from how Robert Mueller operated. Remember that? For two years, all those creepy leaks, uh, anonymous uh, reporters uh, were always citing, well, anonymous sources. Here's an example of that. All these headlines about Russiagate, Russiagate, Russiagate. Government officials who spoke anonymously, an unnamed source, and it goes on and on. Anonymous sources, according to U.S. officials, all that garbage when they're afraid to put their name on it, when they're just trying to destroy somebody. And here it is, out loud.
Unnamed sources are saying it ultimately benefited the Trump administration. Sources tell CNN there was constant communication during the 2016 campaign between Russian operatives and top aides to then-candidate Donald Trump. Citing two sources familiar with the matter. Intelligence officials with direct access to the information now believe with a high level of confidence that Russian President Vladimir Putin became personally involved in that covert effort to interfere in America's presidential race. We know with a high level of certainty that Russia collusion was a hoax. But this little style of reporting can do very well for you in the Beltway. Pulitzer Prizes for everybody, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all on, well, a series of lies and smears. Fast forward to right now, and we have real information that the President of the United States was surveilled by forces loyal to Hillary Clinton, and she may have had a role in it herself. You would think that that would be a big issue for the Deputy White House Press Secretary. No, she got 26 questions on other things, other things. This, this finally came up once, and it was cheerfully dismissed. I refer you to the Department of Justice. I can't speak to that from here. Go ahead. All right, simple as that. Go call the DOJ. Next question. Uh, hmm? Now, what do they do to the spokespeople, men and women, under Donald Trump about Russia? You guys seem completely obsessed with this while there are a lot of other things happening around the country and frankly a lot of other things that people care a lot more about. The media refuses to cover it and I think that's the distraction. Instead of the focus being constantly on tax cuts and tax reform, my guess is if you look at the records, the questions that I take in here day out have far more to do with an investigation uh, that frankly most Americans don't care too much about and a whole lot less to do with policies that actually impact them. And one of the reasons why Americans didn't care all that much about the investigation, I think we kind of knew in our bones that it was nonsense. And it turned out that we were right. It was nonsense. And so was he, President Trump. Ultimately, I'm always right. Early in his presidency, he shocked the world again on Twitter that, well, he said he was spied on. Take a look. Uh, terrible. Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. Now he's been more than backed up. This has been more than substantiated. How did they react when he put this out there? Do you remember? I do. And now you'll see. Bombshell. President Trump's shocking and evidence-free claim that President Obama had Trump Tower wiretapped before the election. President Trump still offering no proof to support the unprecedented and inflammatory accusations he made on Twitter this weekend. This whole story, let's be honest, this whole story is such BS. He's a proven troll. Even by his own standards, the president leveled an extraordinary accusation against his predecessor. These are among the most incendiary charges ever made in the history of our country by one president against one of his predecessors, and I think they're destructive to our democracy. Does that sound very familiar? It's the same language, the same tone, when they say President Trump has it all wrong about the November 2020 election. When he raises concern, concerns about the fairness, the legitimacy, they say much the same thing. I wonder if he'll be proven right all over again. It could happen. You know, they just don't give him enough credit. 
He is a very special, unique person, let alone president. He is different. He has tremendous gifts. And if they could get that through his head, and also as president, that he had access to information that journalists don't, that regular people don't. He knew things, saw things ahead of time. It's going to be wild. I think he may be proved right all over again. We'll see. All right, stay with us. Hillary Clinton, a rare spotting of Hillary out in public on the street. What does she say about the alleged spying that she may have had a hand in? We'll be right back. All I I can say is is that that the the fake fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And they admit, they admit they don't get it. They don't understand. They're pretending they don't understand this latest bombshell. And it is a bombshell uh, that President Trump was potentially surveilled by Democrats while he was president. Now, Morning Joe and his loving sidekick, Mika, had a discussion about the new information. I spent yesterday reading through this stuff. Reading through Durham's indictment seriously, I don't know for hours who wrote that because it was gobbledygook. There weren't dates. You sent you said they're going. Wait a second, did this happen? Gobbledygook. Uh, there weren't dates. Yeah, there are dates all over this thing. He doesn't get it. September nineteenth, twenty sixteen. Michael Sussman goes to the FBI. Joe doesn't understand it. We can understand it. Let's do it again, all right? Hillary Clinton, desperate to be president. There she is. She has a campaign. She also has a lawyer. Her campaign is paying by the name of Michael Sussman. Michael Sussman does business, has a client, another client, tech executive number one. Tech executive number one is feeding him information he obtained illegally, it seems, from Trump Tower, from the Trump White House, from the executive office of the president, and he feeds it to Sussman. Sussman, meanwhile, is getting paid by Hillary Clinton campaign. Sussman makes an appointment with the FBI, says, I'm not representing anybody. I'm here as a concerned citizen. They believe he's lying. All right, I can understand this. Can't you? If you want gobbledygook, here's gobbledygook. If you look at all of the contacts, we know that they started contacts from the Russian government where they asked for this synergy at a government level, started in 2015. They, of course, continued with this June 2016 Trump Tower meeting. At the the, the same time, uh, in August, or just after that, in August, Paul Manafort was meeting with Konstantin Kalimnik, who, of course, we know is a Russian intelligence agent. And then they they continued through the transition when Sergei Sergei Kislyak was meeting with Mike Mm -hmm. Flynn. and a former Russian ambassador to the United States. That's right. And the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. So if you, you're the special counsel, you're looking at you're looking at a, a long timeline of outreach from Russian government officials, Russian intermediaries, Russian intelligence assets to the Trump campaign. A lot of gibberish in there and a lot of swampiness. And poor Mike Flynn, the incoming national security advisor. Did you catch that? He was speaking so fast you might have missed it. Meeting with Ambassador Kislyak. That was totally fine. Totally appropriate. They set a trap. For Mike Flynn, gobbledygook. Hey, this is gobbledygook, okay? You got that, uh, Morning Joe and your loving sidekick, Mika? Now, something else I'm hearing from the left, well, who cares about Michael Sussman? Good luck with that. You're not going to capture much attention with a guy named Michael Sussman. It doesn't matter. Number one, 
He's a key player in all this and a former federal prosecutor. He knows how the world works. This guy is no baby, but it doesn't matter if he's not famous. The Watergate burglars, they weren't famous. Nobody heard of those guys. And those who organized it, nobody knew who they were really before it all went down. So uh, no, that's not gonna work. Uh, I think this is entering a, we know this is entering a very productive phase. I wonder if Jake Sullivan is nervous. Now, he's not exactly famous, but he certainly isn't nobody. He is the national security advisor uh, to Joe Biden, and he's terrible at the job. You know, late in the Hillary campaign, he was involved in all this. He put out a pretty wild statement. Now we know it's wild, made no sense. This could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. This secret hotline may be the key to unlocking the mystery of Trump's ties to Russia. This is like two weeks before the election. They are totally desperate and they're throwing out everything they can. And some of the stuff they've cooked up and they know it, it looks like. Now he was later questioned about, hey, what do you know about fake information being funneled to the Hillary campaign? Are you aware of any collusion, coordination or conspiracy by yourself or by any other members of the campaign that you were working with to procure fake Russian information to harm Donald Trump? Look at his answer, it's interesting. I mean, you'll forgive me if I want to say more than just an emphatic no to that answer, because I find that totally absurd. That's what we call a non-denial denial, by the way. His next answer is even more interesting and possibly implicating Sullivan. I will tell you this, if someone had come to me during the campaign telling me, Jake, as part of the Russian government's effort to help Hillary beat Trump, I have got some good information for you on Donald Trump, I would have called the FBI. Well, it's kind of the problem, isn't it? They involve the FBI. Now, Mr. Sussman is in a lot of trouble. Uh, and uh, maybe you too there, Jake and tech executive number one and Hillary, who knows? And by the way, uh, Sullivan was on the Sunday shows and I know he's got a lot on his plate, Ukraine. Uh, this though should have come up, don't you think? I mean, he was a key player in the campaign. He was questioned about the Russia hoax. They didn't ask him about it. How about it? The American media, the American mainstream media is truly broken. And that's why I really like the UK Daily Mail. You check it out online, you should. Check out Newsmax.com, check out the Daily Mail. They put uh, a reporter in front of Hillary Clinton's apartment. I actually think it might be Chelsea's apartment here in Manhattan. And uh, there should have been 5,000 reporters there. There was one, good for them. This is what happened. Hillary, Laura Collins, Daily Mail. Did you pay to spy on the Trump campaign? What are you gonna comment on the spying allegations, Hillary? Did you pay for to have him spied on? All right, that's it. But something interesting did happen, the mask. I think the mask is interesting. I think the mask is what guilty people wear. Yeah, one of the reasons why they don't want to get rid of the mask, why they've been pushing the mask, it's easier to hide, uh, well, your face, obviously, and if you're up to no good, you don't want people scrutinizing your face. Look at these folks, Kamala, Jill, uh, all of them with the mask on. Does it remind you of anybody? Reminds me of this guy, look at him. A criminal, a train bandit, right? These guys, they used to wear masks. He fits right in with the rest of them, doesn't it, right? <laughs> um, I think they're, yeah, they don't want us to see their faces. They don't want us to see 
anymore. The masks have worked out very well for them. Meanwhile, the, uh, the media, the mainstream, they're ignoring this. They continue to ignore it. It's huge. It's big. I know there are other things going on in the world, but this is serious, folks. And they somehow managed to find time to tell these stories, but not the most important story in America right now. Finally tonight here, the young florist who had an idea for Valentine's, America Strong. A couple leading the charge to restore a resort town that was once a paradise for many African-Americans. What better way to end this Valentine's Day than a sweet story about a mother's love for her child and cookies? Keep your stupid cookies. Tell the American people the truth. We'll be right back with Showtime Cable Network. Pushing one of the most racist things you've ever seen. It's racist against white people. Be right back. Showtime. Do you get it on your cable system? I don't have it, but I have seen Homeland, one of these shows. They make Homeland. They make Ray Donovan. They make a lot of shows, and Showtime has been made fun of for this that white people like. That's kind of like a thing. Oh, too many white people like their uh, programming. It's for white people. Anyway, I guess Showtime has decided to correct for that. They've overcorrected big time by making a hideous documentary. It's called Everything is Going to Be All White. Get it? It's four parts. The first episode is out, and it's really nasty. Here's the trailer. most about white people is when they pretend like they're the victim. (laughs) What's also annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. What annoys me most, uh, or one of the things that annoys me about Showtime and this documentary is everybody who works at Showtime, well, it's pretty much white. Uh, They don't have any African-Americans that I can uh, detect. And uh, well, this show is anti-white people. I mean, it's quite frankly, That's simple. And they even say it out loud. Take a look. White people can burn down a city after the Super Bowl and they're called unruly fans. White people can riot at the Capitol without fear. But let more than five black people gather at a barbecue in the park and the riot police will roll up on horses like it's the planet of the apes. Wow. Well, uh, that's uh, pretty prejudiced, pretty hateful, and pretty wrong. Actually, there was a riot after the Super Bowl game in Los Angeles, and uh, I looked at the footage, and it was primarily African-American individuals running around, setting fires, and looting. Oh, by the way. And January 6th was not a day that lacked in fear. A lot of people are still living with the consequences. And Ashley Babbitt, of course, a white woman shot and killed, even though she was unarmed on January 6th. I see you didn't mention her in this ridiculous documentary. And then they had to uh, get religious. This is how they tried. Thank you, white Jesus. I know that you would never let me down. Amen. What? What the Who did this? Who did this? No black Jesus. No. My Jesus is in the moulin. He's got brown eyes. What the f***? What's that hair? Really silly. By the way, um, the color of Jesus is unimportant. It's his message. It's who he is that's important. And we can all learn about him in the Bible and have a relationship with him. 
As to this documentary, you'll notice that the guy uh, who used an offensive slur there, Italian slur, um, he's like the designated idiot white guy, all right? He's an idiot on purpose, uh, and he's supposed to be representative, representative of white people. Uh, there's more. I would never not expect a white person to be racist against me. You know why? We as brown people and black people forget that white people have been racist against white people. How the f are they ever gonna not be racist towards us in a whole? Still racist towards each other. They never kind of really clarified that all the way. Never clarified that, huh? Uh, he would never not expect a white person to not be racist. How's that? How's that for a, an open heart, huh? Um, and he thinks that uh, racism, well, there has been racism, actually, an ethnic tension. It also happens in black and brown communities. Anybody ever hear of the genocide in Rwanda? All right. Between the Hutus and the Tutsis, right? Uh, black and brown people. It happens, and it's horrible, but it happens across races, ethnic groups, populations. A serious, seriously misguided individual. And uh, we'll wrap up with this. <laughs> White womaning. Thank goodness that we came up with Karens so we can finally say, hey, you, this is a unique form of white bullshit that white women are employing. What white people have started to do is they have started to say that's a Karen, right? And that's the part where I'm like, nah, all of you are Karens. <laughs> Every single last one of you. <laughs> so a bunch of executives at Showtime, um, white people said this is okay. They were virtue signaling. They were trying to say, look, we're not racist. So you guys can say whatever you want. Therefore, we're not racist. You can say racist things to prove that we're not racist. Um, it's pretty sad. All right, folks, this is even worse, though. Here in New York, a horrible crime. A young woman stabbed 40 times after she was followed into her New York City apartment. Um, is it an example of anti-Asian hate? Some suspect it may be the case. The accused as a career criminal in custody, uh, denies it, but the evidence against him seems overwhelming. Now, for about two years, we've been hearing about a spike in anti-Asian hate, and they tried to say that this was Trump's fault and rhetoric about the coronavirus and Wuhan and China and the China virus. Well, we've been looking closely at this, and uh, there's very little evidence to back that up, that somehow this is all tied to Trump. Um, and if you look at the suspects involved here, and if you note that there has been friction that the mainstream media won't talk about between the African-American community and the Asian community in this country going back some time, well, and then you look at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris running, literally running to Atlanta last March to exploit something that was not an anti-Asian hate crime, the spa murders. Remember that? Yes, there were Asian women who were killed, but also white people who were killed. The local police said it wasn't racially motivated. The FBI says it wasn't racially motivated, but there they were, trying to exploit it for political purposes. Happens all the time in Biden land. All right, also this. Um, you know I tweet, I've actually toned it down a little bit, but at Greg Kelly USA, I said, are these the nuclear winter games? Now, why did I say that? Because... 
Take a look at this picture. The ski jump is right next to what looks like what I call the nuclear factory. Those look like cooling towers. Anyway, whatever they are, they set up the ski jump right next to those ugly things. We talked about it right here on Newsmax. This is hard to believe, but it's true. Right next to that old power plant, I understand it's not technically a nuclear power plant, but boy, oh boy, those look like nuclear cooling towers, don't they? You see the white little ski jump? Yeah, it's right next to the damn thing, right there. It's not an ideal situation. In fact, it's, it's unsatisfactory. <laughs> not ideal, unsatisfactory, yeah, well, I tweet this stuff, I say it on TV, the Chinese were watching. Yes, they tweeted all kinds of horrible stuff about me. Stop lying or showing your ignorance publicly. I had a few things to say to him in return. Now some spokesman in China, no kidding, the spokesman for the Olympic Games is talking about me and what I did online and on this show. We also noticed that 说成了核设施，简直是天方夜谭，夜谭荒谬之极。我也注意到了，有许多国家的热心的网民已经在评论区进行了充分的科普，对此呢，我们也表示感谢。Yes, yeah. yeah. the net citizens, they've been trying to cyber bully me all over the place. Uh, listen, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Olympic man, uh, Cooling towers, steel towers, whatever you want to call these things, and I still think they're nuclear towers, they don't belong next to the ski jump, okay? And don't worry, Chinese media, I heard about this, okay? You tagged me, you dispatched your net citizens, all right? So uh, if you want to continue the Twitter war, uh, I'm game, all right? Anyway, find a better mountain next time. We'll be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. President Trump surveilled by Hillary Clinton. That tech executive really wanted the job with Hillary Clinton feeding all kinds of information to a lawyer for Hillary Clinton. It's in the recent court filing by the special prosecutor, John Durham. We're joined by Colonel John Mills, U.S. Army retired former director of cybersecurity policy at the Department of Defense, and he has 40 years in national security work. Sir, uh, welcome to Newsmax. This is so wild, and it's kind of hard to believe, but Trump was right. Not hard to believe that Trump was right, but they really did it. It looks like, how did this happen? Technically, how did this happen? Yeah, I, I honor to be with you, Greg, here. Well, it actually looks like... Um Tech Executive One actually was inside the wire, inside the compound. So uh, this is as much, uh, we usually categorize, there's three major threats. Uh, failure to use two-factor authentication, 
spear phishing, clicking on an untrusted link on an email, and the insider threat. This almost sounds like the insider threat because Tech Executive One actually uh, had access to servers uh, inside the White House. So uh, this this person with a uh, long uh, history uh, and who had called for the ouster of the OPM executive in 2015, or OPM, with the horrible, horrible breach at OPM, uh, and it, it, it demanded her resignation, was uh, caught essentially with his hands in the cookie jar. What's also interesting, he was not fully truthful because uh, he was using this this uh, information that looks like it may have been obtained unlawfully. Uh, these uh, Russian lookups from the White House, the EOP network, actually went back as far as 2014. Hey, uh, let me ask you about that, Colonel. They called it a lookup. Uh, there were a thousand lookups and three million lookups. So a lookup is not a big deal, even though tech executive number one was trying to portray it as a negative thing. And apparently so is Michael Sussman. What is in cybersecurity world a lookup? I mean, it's not Google. It's not yeah. like a, a regular person using a computer. So well, you're, what, you're what taking, is it? You're taking the numeric and giving it a name so that it can be understandable. It's essentially, uh, in, in many ways, a, a, a phone book where you can understand uh, who that number, that IP number, traces to. And so that, that's what it is. It's a, it's a very critical artifact, a very key part of uh, cyber forensics, and, uh, and uh, Tech Executive One had access to it. Uh, and, it and if he was going to tell the whole story, uh, if you're going to tell one portion of the story, you really need to tell the whole story. And again, what was interesting and really caught my attention was uh, that in the uh, in the uh, Mr. Durham's filing, uh, these lookups, which are not there's nothing disingenuous or uh, illegal about a lookup. That's what uh, how they resolve and connect uh, the IT networks and the IT components connect. Okay. But, you know, he should have told the whole story is, oh, by the way, these lookups go back as far as 2014. I'm not implying anything against the preceding administration before President Trump. Uh, that's just a matter of, of fact that these domain lookups go, go, went back to 2014. Those were days when I was going, uh, going to the White House as one of the senior DOD reps. And when you're, uh, a, cyber, when you're a cybersecurity guy... How routine is a lookup again? I know you, it's it's done, but just like how many lookups, if you work for, say, uh, JCPenney's or Walmart in the oh, IT really? department, you do lookups all the time or once a day, That's, once a week, what? I mean, that is part of the transaction. I mean, the IT handshake, it is uh, potentially, uh, depending on the size of your network, potentially uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. It is yeah, uh, you have to tell the whole story here. So that is not in itself a, a, a riveting piece of information. Well, it, no, it's not a riveting piece of information in the pure sense, but they portrayed it as a riveting piece of information to the FBI. That's the allegation. Uh, Sussman goes to the <laughs> FBI with all this stuff from the tech executive. And he says, oh, these lookups are a big deal. There were a thousand of them. You got to tell the FBI that. And he does. And the FBI either falls for it or they want to fall for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The technical term, I, I think, is uh, it might be called cherry picking. So he selectively uh, picked what he wanted to. And I noticed he gave it to two U.S. government agencies. I found that very interesting, Two. Who are these two U.S. government agencies? 
uh, you think, okay, maybe the FBI. Well, that's curious. Uh, who's the other one? So uh, um, yeah, and he and he failed. This is incredibly important. You're getting if you're going to put out the facts, you got to put all the facts out. And it goes back to 2014. And again, that's not implying, but there. I mean, these were uh, essentially Russian uh, uh, telephone uh, uh, capabilities. That you know, who knows where those were in the overall network uh, architecture? Uh, and that, but those started appearing in 2014. Again, that doesn't necessarily imply anything bad. But he should have. He left out a huge part of the story by declining to share that further information. That's pretty important. And this is the same guy who demanded the ouster of uh, Catherine Archuleta, OPM director, during the horrendous OPM breach, where there were like 22 million records. Anybody with a security clearance, I mean, it, it, you know, that's also been alleged that that also helped roll up the entire CIA human uh, intelligence network in China. And he was out there rooting for her for her to get fired. And it also implied in the filing that he was hoping to get a job with, uh, uh, you know, if the election had gone the other way. All right. Well, listen, it's amazing. And uh, again, I want to know why Mueller couldn't figure this out. Maybe he didn't want to figure it out. Maybe he figured it out and just wanted to uh, not go there. Maybe he was part of the problem. Colonel John Mills, U.S. Army retired, former director of cybersecurity policy at the Department of Defense. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Greg. All right. We'll be right back. We are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. So Canada, just to our north, they're lumping in the convoy, the truck drivers, with terrorists. That's what the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, her, she's talking about right there, making it harder for these guys to get funds from classic sources that help in situations like this, like Give, Send, Go, and formerly GoFundMe. Canada's becoming totalitarian. Is that what's happening? It seems that way to me. Let's bring in Nate Hockman, Intercollegiate Studies Institute Fellow at the National Review. He's currently in Ottawa. He's been covering the Freedom Convoy. Nate, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, I'm cold. Besides that, I'm good. <laughs> well, you're indoors. Uh, what's the issue? Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. Look, more importantly, um, I've never heard these kinds of uh, sounds from the Canadians before. It sounds vaguely like a totalitarian situation. What's happening? Well, you're you're right. I mean, I think totalitarian is an accurate description. Justin Trudeau is waging war on these truckers, and indirectly by waging war on them, he's waging war on Canadian freedom. Uh, the truckers here that I'm talking to on the ground, they understand what's at stake. You know, I mean, I, we were just joking about me being cold, but it's negative six, negative 10 out here in the mornings. And these guys are out there sleeping in their trucks every single day. They've been sleeping in their trucks for 18 nights now or more sometimes because they understand that really what's at stake is the Canadian way of life. Uh, and Trudeau, by really, really leaning into the authoritarianism in the last 24 hours, has proved that, which I think means a lot. Yeah, uh, here's a little bit of uh, Justin Trudeau speaking about all the power he, uh, he thinks he has now, and maybe he does. After discussing 
with Cabinet and caucus, after consultation with premiers from all provinces and territories, after speaking with opposition leaders, the federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. The Emergencies Act will be used to strengthen and support law enforcement agencies at all levels across the country. Um, what is the big deal? You know, I've been watching this. I, I'm not talking about the Ambassador Bridge. That was a localized event. I want to leave that out for now. What are these truckers doing that is so infuriating uh, Justin Trudeau and his government? I mean, we've looked at the footage. It looks to me like they're parked. They don't even honk their horns like they used to. What are they doing? I mean, have they brought the economy to a standstill? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the damage they're inflicting, if any? Because I can't see it, but you're there. Well, they're not inflicting any damage. Uh, the thing that they're doing that is really frustrating to Trudeau and the other left-wing politicians in the media in Canada is they're threatening his power because they're actually being very effective, which is threatening to the entire COVID regime, not just in Canada, but in the global movement that they've sparked now across the world. So, uh, you know, it, one of the remarkable things to me about spending the last few days here talking to these truckers is just how peaceful they are. These guys are cleaning up after themselves. They have designated people cleaning up trash. They're shoveling the streets. They are engaged in, uh, you know, very regular prayer services. They're very polite to policemen, and they have a really good working relationship with the police on the ground. I mean, this is, in many ways, it's the polar opposite of the left-wing protests that we're seeing, where they're trying to burn things down and destroy things. These guys are trying to build a community, and they're trying to build things up. And because of that, they're incredibly effective. You've seen a lot of provinces dismantle the really authoritarian COVID mandates in the last week because these guys are winning. So that's what's threatening to Trudeau. He talks about them being extremists. They're not extremists. The real reason that he is so worried about them is because they're winning. They're winning. Wow. Uh, by the way, Trudeau uh, revealed his true colors. I think he's revealing them right now. A crisis can do that. But uh, throughout his tenure, he has said peculiar things that suggest perhaps he, uh, he is an authoritarian at heart. Take a look at this. A couple of years ago, his admiration he expressed for China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. It's wonderful to admire the Chinese people. I thought that that was the last thing you would admire, though, their, their ability to turn on a dime. And by the way, he's been totally conned. China and green energy and solar and all that nonsense. That's not what they're doing, but uh, he can believe that. Anyway, what do you think of that? And then I got to ask you about the people, uh, the people there. How much support is there for the truckers? And is is Trudeau losing his grip? Right. Well, just to your point, as an aside, 
it's absurd to claim that China is environmentally friendly. Yeah. They're the number one carbon emitter in the world. We know from our personal experience that capitalist free market societies like ours are way better at combating the primary uh, uh, environmental issues of our day than China. But that aside, uh, the truckers are gaining momentum in terms of uh, public opinion. You know, China or excuse me, Canada uh, and the, the Canadian people. Can you hear me? I can, Nate, and I'm so sorry we had a technical issue earlier. We're sadly out of time, but you've been okay. you've been magnificent. And I heard the last point. The people seem to be on the side of the truckers. Eh? That, that's a, yes, 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 yes. All right. Thumbs up. Thank you, Nate. Nate Hockman, Intercollegiate Studies Institute Fellow at the National Review to be continued. And we'll be right back. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Thanks so much. Stinchfield is next. <laughs> 